Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The Art of the CEO streams magically through the amazingly misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download all our episodes by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. Now, we invite you to visit and explore for your benefit. And today, particularly today's episode, is entitled Percussion's Brightest Pioneer, the Amazing Lisa Pegger. And breaking away from her hectic globetrotting performance schedule, we are here uh, and we're really uh, blessed to have Lisa uh, with us because she is one of the most talented and uh, amazingly revolutionary percussionist in the performance business today. So, Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bart. Thanks for having me on the show today. Oh, I'm so glad! Uh, so glad you could come. And where are you right now? You're, uh, I believe, we're, we've got, we're doing, we're having Lisa come in from afar. You're in. Um, at what uh, school are you? Uh, visiting artist right now? I'm a visiting artist at West Virginia Creative Performing Arts School. And, oh. um, yeah, so that's where I'm calling you from today. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm so glad you could join us. And um, now I was wondering if you could sort of tease us into today's show and tell us in just a couple of sentences uh, what really is uh, the new role of percussion and drums in today's music. I, I mean, all this, in, in what we call classical or symphonic music, do does percussion have to sort of remain in a uh, background for the strings with guys tapping the uh, triangle? Uh, is, is that is that what what it must be? It's a really complex question, Bart. Um, <laughs> there are so many different realms of percussion, um, not just symphonic, not just band, but there's a whole new world of electronic music and uh-huh. mixing electronics with acoustics. And oftentimes, um, well, in symphonic music in particular, um, their struggle is how this is all getting mixed with symphonic music now. And um, I think that describing the role of a percussionist in general is coming up with ways to deal with all kinds of different sounds at any given moment. Hmm. Hmm. I think, boy, this is, this is, uh, uh, there's a whole broad field out here and things going on. And, uh, I can see, uh, that we really do have sort of a feast of wisdom all set up for us here and coming out of you. So whether you, uh, whether any of you out there, friends are, uh, communications director trying to blend your company into a better working team like Barbara or if you're a master negotiator trying to spread his techniques worldwide like Greg we're here to bring you the sage counsel from business masters to aid your career and your ventures um but before Lisa and I sort of take you on the hard competitive journey of profitably bringing a music revolution into performance art let's take a moment out there uh for our each of you to pick up a few utensils, shall we say, for today's Feast of Wisdom. And first, as I always do, 
allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now, since that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, may I ask, will this be the day that you put on your thick skin and seek a little honest critique from a valued and trusted friend and then perhaps even try to build on that advice? Or will you continue to close those conveniently blind eyes to things that you could beneficially correct? The choice is truly yours. And as a second utensil, uh, it is time to dip into a little laughter, oh yes, and take a, a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it out here. Okay, okay, this is, this is number 89. Uh, <clears throat> individual stars are fictions created by the press. But victories are a fact created by long hours of compromising and coordinating as a team. And as an afterthought, you know, if you gather a bunch of bullheaded experts who each uh, are much more concerned with having it their way than on creating the group's final product, what you've got is a recipe for one really losing team or one truly off-key orchestra. And uh, I think we've, uh, a couple of nights ago, I think some of us saw that. So can you see the merit in another person's ideas? Eh, Just a thought. And as a third utensil, perhaps we should call today's utensil aptly the tuning fork, right now we are going to give you the answers to last week's business quotation. And today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of that author as you believe him or her to be. Simply scribble that name and mail it off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, we will send you an astounding life-changing gift, <laughs> freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, uh, uh, the author to last week's quote, is the individual who said, incrementalism is innovation's own worst enemy. Those words were spoken by MIT's Media Lab master and business age, Nicholas Negroponte. So now, let's tuck further into today's Feast of Wisdom with utensils at hand and turn again to the talent percussion soloist and pioneer, Lisa Pegger. Lisa, I was wondering if you could enlighten us off here now. I mean, as I understand it, you are truly an all-original musician, uh, a Brooklyn lady with very little music surrounding your upbringing, and yet here you are being quite justifiably named one of symphonic music's top six performers of her generation. Wow. So can you fill us in? How does a nice young lady from New York get launched into the world of innovative percussion? How'd you do it? What started you? Okay. Well, um, interestingly enough, obviously, I'm, I wasn't born and raised in Brooklyn. I was born and raised in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Oh, okay. Oh, and, there's, there's a musical heart. <laughs> yeah. And um, getting my start was solely just based on the fact that I was happened to be talented at playing the drums and percussion. Um, and I think I can kind of compare this to a story I read not too long ago. I think it was on NPR or maybe um, the Washington Post or something. And it had to do with um, it had something to do with putting um, prisoners up against a debate match with the best debaters at, it was either MIT or Harvard, one of the really top um, debating schools. And the, the, 
it basically said how the prisoners were able to beat the debaters because not because they were better debaters, but because they had a lack of resources available to them. And because they had a lack of resources available to them, they actually were able to use a little less information to make more things happen. And I really related to that a lot because I actually grew up in a really hardworking blue-collar family, um, really um, poor, didn't have very many resources available to me whatsoever growing up. All I had was the drive and the willpower and the artistic ideas um, uh-huh. growing up that I wanted to have happen. And because yeah. I didn't have many resources available to me, the little resources that I did have available to me, I milked them to their utmost ability. And in a way, uh-huh. I think that it was more helpful to me than if I would have started out with you know, growing up in a rich, wealthy family and being able to afford to go to the, you know, the best top music school in the the middle of New York City. Yeah, what you're saying is sort of the top tools with all the drum sets Mm -hmm. and everything else sort of steer you down the path of traditionalism. And mm-hmm. you were able, you were able because you sort of had to overcome that to, and, and thus invent, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, looking back on it, I really think that was the key to my success and my overall ability to adapt to any type of situation and make the best out of any type of situation wherever I was. Well, were you like Gene Krupa who would t- who took, take your drumsticks and just start tapping out rhythms on everything that was passing by, including poor old ladies or something like this? Uh, <laughs> well, I I was the person who would never stop practicing. I mean, I was definitely <laughs> addicted to practicing from a very young age. Um, it was either a practice pad or a pillow or a carpet. Um, but as soon as I got my first drum set, it was obviously my drum set, and yeah. uh, my parents just couldn't stop me from practicing and as oh, much as they begged and begged it was it was always <laughs> an ongoing fight <laughs> i i've got to tell you the uh we go out to boulder colorado a lot my with with my wife's family and there is a small store uh i've said there's a house right near uh where lorraine's folks live that that says that has a sign out there drum sets for sale and i think boy the neighbors must be just thrilled you know <laughs> you know i mean that also might liken to our conversation about how the percussion world is changing that people are selling their drum sets because everybody's buying a drum machine uh drum machine or a processor or oh. some kind of trigger board or midi device <laughs> so everybody's oh. selling their drum sets Oh, I boy, that's fascinating because because as you say, the world of percussion is changing, and it's uh, and you are so you're you're the explorer as as well as the pioneer. Yes. And, uh, well, well, now uh, everyone is is sort of seeking to uh, whether in the art of business or the art of growing vegetables, they're all seeking to be innovative, and um, I. I can sort of see what started you to be innovative, but what would you tell um, the fella who's uh, who may be very good at the marimba or something like that, but he's he's there in the back row of the symphony, tapping the triangle, putting the cymbals together, and it looks like the only talent he needs to have is to keep his nose out of the way of the cymbals. And um, 
what what would you what do you have an encouragement for the norm the the, the great mass of percussionists out there well, I would say that some people um, are drawn to just doing one thing. Uh, there are the people who their passion okay. is to just be in a symphony orchestra. Um, there, there are. Uh, I mean, I I teach students who um, they they have an, a set idea of what they want to do, and maybe that is play. Um, in the back of an orchestra, or they just want to be um, a studio drummer. Um, but there are also um, the people out there like me who have these ideas about innovation, but they don't necessarily think that there's a way to do it without having one of these other things. And I guess that's where I come in, is that I kind of overcame that idea because my passion was always in creativity and doing something that wasn't the norm. And I think that because of that, um, I, I was just kind of hell-bent to come up with a different way to do things. And in the, at the end of the day, that is what still drives my creativity. Um, I think that a lot of that has to do with there being a set way that people see other people doing things and they think that that's the yeah. only way because many people have done that in the past and it seems to work. And so their teacher told them this is the path to the, success. That you send out this resume, you put it on monster.com and, exactly. and send, keep sending out a lot of them. So, well, now look, but, but here you are. You have, I mean, I saw you on the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra. You've gone Boston, Baton Rouge. Puerto Rico, old New York, you've been on all the top symphony front stages doing f for what's really a concerto, what you think of a violin, virtuoso mm -hmm. violin uh, doing. There you are, right down on center stage. How how do you get uh, from there to, from there to there, from from having the, okay, so you've written the great new uh, composition for uh, percussion. Uh, you've written the next Moby Dick, and it's sitting on your table. How do you get from where you are to to, to that front stage? How'd you do it? Um, well, first it was just willpower. You don't have to. You don't have to give us the whole, <laughs> your I whole mean, bitter story. A lot of it was honestly just willpower. I had this crazy idea. And again, this goes back to lack of resources. It's funny. It's the opposite of what people think is the key to success. People think having all these multiple resources is the key to success, but it's actually taking what you have and making something out of it. And I um, had this crazy idea when I was just too innocent to know anything else about the world that I wanted to bring drums to the front of the stage. I didn't want to be right. in the back just playing simple things. I wanted to be playing the complex things that the violinists were playing. And so my vision was to bring the drums from the back to the front. And I didn't really, I was never thinking about obstacles. I was never thinking about what, how I couldn't do it. I was just constantly thinking of how I could do it. And Oh, well, the, ladies and gentlemen, I have to interrupt you here. Uh, Lisa, this is, ladies and gentlemen, Lisa has just brought down a, a timeless truth of what we call a quill pen moment. So I would like you to take, all of you, to take your quill, goose quills, and dip them in the inkwell and jot down this truth that you guide your course based on not avoiding the obstacles, 
but on where you want to go. Doing steer your navigate along the path toward what toward what you want to do. And I'm I'm so glad you said that, Lisa. So uh, folks, take heed. Speaking of taking heed, oh, I'm sorry. I I was just going to say that. Speaking of taking heed, you uh, when we last chatted, you made the comment that uh, managers uh, that you've had managers or or had a manager, and and you 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 said, well, I think they can be obsolete, and you had one for I think about five years or something, and then you Mm -hmm. began. Of course, you 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 gained a a rather meteoric rise, and you uh, get got a reputation. And so you took to scheduling and promoting and handling your own career all on yourself, right? Can you really in do the, that? <laughs> well, well, in the beginning, are. yeah, in the beginning, I I did everything. But I was also, I started to fall into that trap of, well, everybody does it this certain way. And so this is the way that I have to do it. And that certain way that you have to do it at that time was you have to get a manager. And I think at the same time, the whole face of the Internet was changing. The whole face of every, like, information technology was changing. And so at the same time, I'm going toward, oh, I have to get management. I have to get signed by management. It was actually kind of a trap in the way that, like, I could have just been spending that time booking concerts or promoting myself online, myself. Um, And it's not that managers are obsolete because I'm sure at some point in the future I probably will try to have a management again in some form or capacity. It's a a time saver. Everyone who starts a business knows that that even though you might be able to do it better yourself, you, you you can't do all things, so exactly, no. exactly. So there are times, even now, when I need assistance, and I will have somebody help me. Like I don't have time to do this. Can you throw this up for me? Or I, you yeah, know, I can know. you make this phone call for me, or something like that? So I couldn't say that I do absolutely everything myself because I do right, have people right. that help me. But what I am saying Quite is that, that in order to give all of my um, my entire business and hand it over to somebody and say here. Just go do my business for me. That's that is. I mean, it's almost like I, killing yourself because not right. you have to teach somebody how to run your business. It's like if you are an entrepreneur, you you cannot expect somebody to just pick up where you left off. You have to train them. You have to explain to them the details. So all of that takes time. And in a way, I guess when I, I – I don't mean that managers are obsolete in any way. I just mean that the what they are needed for has changed dramatically. It has changed. Okay. Yeah. Lisa, I think you're right, but I do want to uh, have people understand a little bit just about what we're talking about when, when we talk about your drumming. And so I uh, – terrible thing – about your percussion work, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was wondering if we could uh, – I'd like to play a little bit – of some of just some short sections of your pieces and then have you comment on them so uh so we're going to start with one this is from her minimal art uh imaginary windows album and this first little section starts off fair what you might expect from a good percussion thing uh, a good percussion performance and it works it, it seems very nice so let's see if i can bring this up here now listen to this Thank you. 
Okay, now that doesn't shock you too much. You could you could handle that from the symphony floor. But then we get a little bit uh, a little bit further out of field here. This is called this is a section from Shattered Run. to take it all the way up we turn to water runs up and Lisa really goes to town and acoustic music so what you're uh-huh. hearing is drums um, uh-huh. so you're hearing an actual drum set and some right, okay. I think uh, bongos in there and also some metals that I'm playing and then it's mixed with elect- uh, electronic music which could be samples from any type of percussion and then kind of um, processed and mixed together wow well I, I am I am very impressed. I, one thing, right just before we go to the break, I must ask: How was it initially received? Once you came out there, you played it beautifully. Was there a, sort of this stunned silence afterwards, or did people take it right off? And do you mean that particular piece or the entire show? Well, let's 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 start. Uh, yeah, how would the entire show? How did how did it? Go? Oh, the entire show was actually really well received um, oh, because it has a whole multimedia visual aspect that goes along with it, and um, yeah, people really really dug it. All right, that's great, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Art of the CEO Radio Show, streaming live from BlogTalkRadio.com. And since we have come to the midpoint of today's feast, uh, I think it's time for us to take a brief sorbet and it's, allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among many other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And this very day, Prometheus Publishing would like to invite you to look at a little volume which has brought a lot of raucous laughter and perhaps a grain of wisdom to thousands of folks. It's the 101 Best Business Quips book. Very, It's a collection of the quips very similar to uh, the one I gave earlier in the show. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with what a quip is, quip's a joke, son. So 
since really the the mighty playwright Aristophanes, the ancient Greek wise folks have known that the greatest wisdom comes wrapped in a little laughter. And the 101 best business quips will give you a, a lighthearted jest, such as the only difference between piracy and taxation is the size of the army that collects it, or something. And we follow that up with a bit of an afterthought to ponder. And so many of you have enjoyed this book, uh, and many others of you have gone to our website, bartsbooks.com, clicked on the little blue mailbox, and you get free business quips every week winging your way through your cyber portal, and it's given a lot of folks a lot of fun, and you, you should join them. And I've, But many of the folks have, have asked, where do all these quips come from? And so I am forced to answer that, in truth, about 98% of them come from my own fertile and fatuous brain. And this is what I'm, I love most, because humor is the eye. It forces me to up a 300-foot ladder to gain perspective and come back down and see the humor in our world. I think we could all do that a little more. And just as a note, coming soon, we have... A second collection of these, all new, it's entitled 102 Best Business Quips. We're, we're making progress here. And uh, they're all just as laughable as uh, my wife finds her husband. So now, before I get carried away any further with my own verbosity and silliness, why don't we return to the real star of our stage and of many other stages, uh, Lisa Pegger. Uh, Lisa, I know there are... Uh, that you've been trying to go beyond the symphonic stage, and you have started to sort of handle your new uh, world of, uh, of of percussion through uh, your new band called Controlled Chaos. Could you tell us about how that launched and where you're currently headed with it? Well, Controlled Chaos um, kind of was born out of my love for improvisation, and I spend hours and hours in the practice room learning and perfecting these concertos that I play, um, that you heard me play with the New Jersey Symphony as well. And that that is kind of more of a realm of perfecting somebody else's creation, if you will. And over all the years that I've been doing this, I always, because I love to improvise music, it's kind of naturally ingrained into me as a drummer. Um, I always felt like there was something missing in my creativity. And when I moved to New York and I was in Brooklyn, um, I, I really was so busy with just learning other people's music and I had so much that I wanted to say for I wanted to create on my own that I just had to get it out and the best way for me to put this creation together was to form my own band and so that's kind of how it was born it was born out of my love for improvisation and my need for creativity um so uh, where I'm headed with it is there are just no boundaries. The whole idea of the group is that we don't necessarily want to put it in any sort of genre box, if you will. So that opens it up right. to many, okay. as many different possibilities as one can imagine. Well, so would this mean that I might see it on uh, the Cleveland uh, Symphony Orchestra stage and then... Uh, a, a coffee house in Manhattan. Exactly. Um, I oh, think that wow. what we would like to do with it is make it, in a way, 
I, you may or may not have noticed, but a lot of symphony orchestras, what they're doing right now is they're trying to get a broader audience involved in their concerts. You could see it with oh, yeah. the L.A. Philharmonic. You could see it with the Cleveland Orchestra. You could see right. it with the Pittsburgh Symphony. Um, they're all doing these kind of side projects where they're trying to, you can see it, they're they're bringing in, you know, trying to, uh, just recently I, I saw because Pittsburgh's my hometown that they just brought in a different um, series where they're processing, they're mixing pop music with symphonic music. And right, I think, right. um, you know, there's the Green Umbrella series. There are all these different series that um, are bringing in new types of music to the orchestral concert hall. And the reason is because the audience wants something new. They want something different. And well, that's true, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I've, I must butt in here. I know the symphonies are scraping bottom, and I know that the mm-hmm. audiences are tired uh, of the, the old audiences are tired of, and I guess the new audiences are unfamiliar with the Bach and the Beethoven and so forth. Mm-hmm. And but mu- I, I see two things going on here. Number one, music directors are shy to bring on new symphonic uh, creations, uh, compositions, and I understand that. But there's also a great many people feel, frankly, that the composers themselves are a half of the, the, the. I'm sorry, the current composers are half of this because they're very, very wrapped up in their own personal expression, and there's a certain audience be damned attitude that keeps the music from being accessible or enjoyable uh, because I am thumping out my own mm-hmm. ego on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they correct or not? I mean, is there. Uh, is is there a lot of that? Is there is that all? Most of it? A little? What what's the story? Um, I I'm certainly not the foremost authority on that. I can only speak from my own experience, which is right. it's kind of a double edged sword in that um, I think orchestras are are somewhat hesitant to change their programming because they they are having trouble financially. So it's kind of, that's where the double-edged sword is. If they change it too much, it's going to make the situation worse. If they overdo right. it, it's, it's that risk factor. Like where well, is the balance the and the artists, risk factor? Though? What, about, what about the artists themselves? Do you feel mm-hmm. – I, I think that uh, – as a as a writer, I I have an audience sitting on my I have an imaginary audience sitting on my shoulder when I write. I get the feeling that this is not so with a lot of mm. the current composers, right or wrong. Oh, definitely not. I mean, when you think about art and creativity, it uh, it's really not supposed to be about doing it. Um, like, if you're writing just because you want to please somebody that's not necessarily seen as true art, I think. So maybe that's where the difference comes in, is that um, composers aren't necessarily going to... Well, it's different than the pop industry, okay, because the pop industry... is Pop writing industry, music uh, yeah. just it to is make an money. industry. It's yeah. a saleable. You're putting out a saleable product. Right so there. I guess what is what makes the difference between the two industries is that there is still that idea that we aren't creating music just to please people, to make people happy. Okay. It's it's because art is art. So not everybody is going to go to the art museum and like an Andy Warhol no. piece. Right. And that's the whole idea, because if everybody starts to do everything just to please somebody else, 
nothing will be creative anymore. We might as well just turn on the Internet and do everything the same. And my my project certainly would not have been born if I was trying to please people. Um, that idea was solely born out of a creative place. I wasn't thinking, right. how am I going to make money off of this? I was thinking, how am I going to bring this creative idea into being? How am I going to take this idea and be able to present it? Um, in an interesting way. I wasn't thinking, um, if I do this, am I going to make a million dollars? That wasn't on the yeah, table right. for me. <laughs> and maybe that should I think, be. I think that's quite uh, something. <laughs> that is true. There yeah. are, there, we're in business, uh, and, and when I say business, I mean that in the broader sense of the term, to create what you want, see, and need. And there's a mm-hmm. bit of the Pygmalion. We fall in love with our creation, and we should go our, we need to go our own way. At mm-hmm. the same time, we uh, we want a venue. And I think the reason that Lisa has, has done so well is that that's, she never said, I, I want to make a million dollars of this. I want to be a, I, she didn't want to be a percussion star. She wanted to have her work shown. And that mm-hmm. says a lot. And Lisa, for those of us who would like to follow your upcoming concerts and appearances or perhaps get a hold of some of your albums, where can we do that? Where do where do we go? Uh, my website has all of my current information on it. Um, you can um, always visit my calendar page, and it's just www.lisapegger.com. That's L-I-S-A-P-E-G-H-E-R. All right. Well, Lisa, this has been wonderful, uh, and um, we're we're running way late <laughs> because yet there's a million more things I'd like to talk about. But I'm afraid we we really have come to the end of our time here, and they're they're starting to beat on the door and, and yell nasty things. <laughs> so I'm afraid we're going to have to sign off. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And, Thanks for having me, Bart. Well, we'll certainly get, we'll have you back again. Thanks very much, okay. Lisa. Sure. And ladies and gentlemen, so let's, as we round out the show today, let me leave you with today's business quotation. Who is it who said, if a man does not keep pace with his fellows, perhaps it is because he marches to the beat of a different drummer. And as a hint, now many of you say well, I'm making these too hard. So as a hint, this son of a successful pe- pencil manufacturer found his greatest inspiration on Walden Pond. So uh, I think we should be able to get that. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just write uh, the name of that man or woman and to send it off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely marvelous gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And finally, uh, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the trouble with communication devices is that few of us have the mental acuity or the mental verbosity to feed them. And so there's, we have more devices than we have things to say. Time to unplug. To all you faithful listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as uh, Lisa and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this on all our shows by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And next week, do tune in to Blog Talk Radio, The Art of the CEO, because we're going to return with one of the favorite topics of so many of you, 
And that's, I wish I'd said that. We're going to give some examples of how to find just the right words to grease your way through some of business's stickier situations. It'll be both fun and helpful and some good versatile, well, probably some good versatile tools for your arsenal. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>